This week on Media Delta, The Running Man. Yes, it's finally time for On the Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Uh, today we have a very, um, let's just say, quick uh, idea for an episode because, um, yeah, originally we were planning on doing a second set of episodes for Sonic Saddam, uh, but considering that everyone that was watching it really did not care for it, uh, we decided that uh, rather than do that, we'd go into something that's a little bit more, um, uh, the word I'm looking for, um, good. Uh, so we're thinking of things that were like actual, like stuff that we can relate to, uh, stuff that we've done. Uh, and I, I remember making a comment when we, uh, were ranking smash TV. That's like, you know, this basically is just a running man game, uh, or a game based on the, uh, that's like the movie running man. Well, technically it's based on novel, but that's something else. Um, that I bet you we could do that. And, uh, you know what? Just went ahead and did it. Uh, yeah, so we're doing The Running Man today, uh, which, if you are not familiar with what The Running Man is, uh, it was a movie that came out... Uh, let me get the date. Actually, we probably should have had this up. Um, yes, came out in 1987. Uh, and this is going to be a first for us. Uh, this is a, our first look at a movie starring a uh, former governor of California, also technically former governor of Minnesota or of Minnesota, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and also starring Jesse Ventura. Um, so yes, uh, I was not the only one who watched this. Uh, I have uh, three other people. Uh, please introduce yourselves in alphabetical order. Good evening. Uh, this is Chachi. Who loves you and who do you love? Coolio. <laughs> uh I'm I'm Torpid Typus, and I am here for prominently featured names in the opening credits for characters who barely appear in the actual movie. Yes. Um. So yeah. Uh. Just to kind of give a plot synopsis of what The Running Man is, basically, it is one of those lovely '80s things where it is a uh, future, uh, the way far future year of uh 2017, uh, in which a dystopian government has basically taken over uh, the U.S. and uh basically um is not in a good shape um and basically one of the most prominent uh entertainment mediums there is the uh a TV show that is called The Running Man uh in which basically contestants try and go from one part on a map to another and without well dying because it is a very violent show um so um to kind of talk us through this, I have a series of questions. So, um, Chachi, uh, what was your general impressions, and is there any particular element you'd like to bring up? Well, we have plenty of friends in common who would say that the movie is distressingly prescient. Um, so I think, that, I think that that's something that will probably be sort of a, a running theme through the commentary as we go. Uh, it, that said the the sociopolitical commentary aside the movie is hysterical um it shows of several historical quirks one of which is the very obvious one where you can tell a movie is shot in the 80s because a ton of people are smoking in it um but also 
some some of the choreography is very dated it's it's funny it's like a time capsule in in the way that you see in media like maybe not star trek although star trek in its way presaged a lot of uh things that eventually became kind of commonplace in the modern day in its own sort of funny retro future way um but there are there are little things that are very clearly didn't turn out quite the way they ended up three years ago as opposed to the 2017 of the movie um but boy plenty of uh there there's plenty of there's plenty of oh that's that's a thing right now actually to go around so there's this funny mood whiplash seeing it this far removed from its original screening that uh you know it's 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 a land of contrasts i guess is what i'm trying to say in this the year 2017 <laughs> the year of our luigi yes what i think was 20 no that was way too late to be the movie took place in 2017 well that no i was more thinking the year of luigi Actually, the, the it's movie... always the year of luigi it's never not the year of luigi That's, that is true the movie itself takes place in 2019 actually um oh yeah that... was it yeah, yeah. oh God, yeah. I, I only noticed the opening crawl where it mentioned 2017 uh yeah, I think the I think the idea is that the very very first scene, or well, no, not the not the first scene, but perhaps the 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 one the one that ends up being sort of the the thing that thrusts Arnold Schwarzenegger's character into his role in the story takes place in 2017, and then the events that are taking place divorced from that flashback are in 2019. I and think then that's he how he grows a beard, and it's weird. Yes. It's really weird. Yes. Uh, is there any particular thing you were wanting to bring up, or other than that? I I think that boy, there's a lot to say, but we got other people on the panel, so let's just keep it moving. All right. Um. Uh. Coolio. Uh. To keep it simple, I I I feel like this is basically your your late '80s dystopia movie. I mean, it's kind of over the top it's very 80s and hmm so of course i'm gonna 80s. block on the first question again so 80s yes yes it is incredibly 80s and um it's it's just pretty much there to be an unrealistic kind of image of what the world could be with having some potentially realistic themes in it, I guess is what I would say. Um, and I wish I had really more to say about that, but that's more or less uh, what I have to say about my general impressions. I mean, that's perfect. That's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Torpo. Oh, boy. This sure is a movie. Uh, it's it, actually I found this movie really fun. Uh, it sets up this really dark and bleak setting, but I feel you can feel the '80s with how sort of uh, almost fuck. What's the word? Not upbeat, optimistic it is, especially as you go into the ending, because uh, it definitely feels like uh, the 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 good guys win. Everything turns out fine. Everything's gonna be great in this really oppressive setting about a totalitarian government controlling everything and using the TV 
to keep the unwashed masses at bay to the point of having a fucking murder game show for people to watch and laugh and enjoy and people get super into too. Like they fucking love seeing those convicts getting murdered, which that's, oh boy, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. But I, I did think it was, it was very fun. Uh, aggressively 80s. So 80s to the point that the choreography was done by Paula Abdul. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, we, we were watching the credits for Shits and Giggles and we noticed it. Oh, wow. Uh, I, that explains a few things. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's, it's, oh, it's so bad. Like, they even got, like, the fucking aerobics outfits. They got glitter fucking everywhere. Good luck getting that out. Um, <laughs> it, it was... It's it's as was mentioned before. It's a fucking time capsule, is what this movie is. My it's... my favorite thing about the choreography that I just remember is when they are uh, bringing uh, Ben Richards, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, uh, into the game, and there's the dancing ladies around him, and there's just a, one dancing like the lady that just for some reason just lifts her leg up real high to just like almost caress his face with her foot. That's just called asserting dominance. Yeah, it's yes. a power move, my dude. Yeah. God, and all the hair, the the poofy hair, the weird. Ah, oh, it's it's the worst. I hate it. I hate the eighties. They were terrible, uh, and I'm glad they're over. Also, the power shoulders on uh several ladies' uh, outfits. Yeah, on their their suits. It was great. No, I loved it. I hated it. Yep. I mean, it definitely got some things right, like the the weird worship of terrible people, and really people going ham on fucking violence and their shows and all that. Uh, also the glee with which they see convicts hunted down and killed all that. Yeah. I had obviously taken to a bit of an extreme, but it's not that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, like it hits on some points. There are some interesting points that are, that are brought up, but overall it's, it's riding high on the Reagan years is how I would put it. Yep. Cause that would be right at the tail end of them. Yeah, uh, uh, I should also point out that this was originally written or based on a novel, as I mentioned before, um, that was written in 1982. Yeah, 1982 um, by it says that it is written by one Richard Bachman, uh, but that is, in fact, not it is not written by a Richard Bachman or I should say that is a pseudonym uh, for one Stephen King. Uh, it is one of four novels that he apparently wrote. Um, and just kind of skimming through the plot of the book, it seems like there's a bit of there's a bit of differences other than the names, but yes, um, but that is something else. Um, so um, I I like this movie, you know, like it's a very fun romp. Uh, it has a lot of good names into it. it I mean, it is it, it is it is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. When you think of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and you think of an action movie, this is like. If you don't think of Commando, you probably think of this or Predator. But yes, this is just one of those peak Arnold at his cheesiest, and it's great. Um, yeah, it's pure fucking schlock. Uh, also, it is a um, it is a movie that is as a screenwriter that I like seeing most of his stuff, and that is uh, Stephen E. D'Souza in it, and he did good work. Uh, this has a really good script um and and yeah it's just man it's just it is such a time capsule it's great it it just how perfectly encapsulated they could get that uh it it's like 
the thing like you know with vaporwave trying to be like uh, like in all that special font thing that you see like associated with vaporwave it's like oh yeah that's age like no that's not what i think of when i think of the 80s. i think of shit like the running man is 80s like just the gl- like the poofy shoulders the power hair the bad spandex the kind of weird poppy music I, I feel worth mentioning that, like, listening to the soundtrack, especially the darker bits, you can really hear the roots of Darkwave in it. Yeah. Like, what would imagine. go on to be things like Perturbator and uh, Garbinder Brute and all that. Also, I, I, looking at this, I, I just realized, oh, hey, there is actually a video game based on The Running Man for the MSX and other European microcomputers, so that's why I don't care. Um, but yes. Um, so I guess... Um, with that, uh, we kind of mentioned a little bit, but uh, we can kind of elaborate more. Turbo, how did you feel about the settings slash characters? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the setting was interesting. It was very, very brutal, very totalitarian, very dark, very bleak dystopian, which makes the ending even weirder and out of place. But uh, it, it was it was interesting. It was uh, fun, and it was kind of it was very much taking the piss out of TV in general and game shows and sort of the, the super competitive ones like uh, very obviously American gladiators. Yes. Like very blatantly taking the piss out of American gladiators. Cause like just one step removed essentially. But uh, the setting was interesting. The characters, uh, Arnold was pure fucking Arnold schlock in every way. Like it was never not, uh, goofy action hero spitting out one-liners even when the mood isn't fitting like him constantly making jokes about his shirt and going to Honolulu as he has a hostage trying to get through the airport yeah or like even then him going oh, I can't live with him can't live without him it's you, you can definitely feel the kind of movie they're going for is all I'm saying despite the setting uh that said uh Arnold Definitely makes for a fun uh, action hero. He does a lot of really inter- like really cool shit. Uh, Spouts one-liners non-fucking-stop. Oh my god. Yeah. To the point where some of them are almost infuriating. I was going to say, we, we, we're definitely going to be going a little bit more into Schwarzenegger later on in this list of questions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just, just in general. Arnold's character was fun, but I wouldn't say he was terribly deep or anything. Aside from us constantly making jokes about how he'll never run again after his fellow prisoner guy died. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a, the, the female lead. I already forgot her name. Uh, Lady Amber. What writes, yeah, Amber, who, who writes jingles, uh, including the big one for the TV station. It is, is neat at times, but sometimes just kind of feels like she's there. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it's like that period where, like, you always have the action movie that has, like, the big, like, like buff action hero, but there's always that female, like, sidekick. Like, yeah. um, uh, Commando also is a case of that, and also, I'm just trying to think of other ones. Uh, but yeah, I was like, this, this sassy yeah. lady lead who doesn't put up with his shit, but kind of just makes him look better anyway. And on top of that, they end up kissing at the end, despite them not really feeling like they have that much in terms of chemistry, if I'm going to be honest. Yep. Uh, that said, <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh, the next character, the the big villain, who's once again named, I forget. I'm bad with uh, Killian. Uh, 
Killian is incredibly fun. Yes. Uh, a fantastic casting uh, in this for this movie. Uh, if you ha- I mean, if you want to get a sleazy game show host or an actor or, a- or an actor for to play a sleazy game show host, you, you know, get an actual actor who is mostly known as a game show host, uh, Richard Dawson, uh, host of the 1970s Family Feud. Uh, do you still have that amazing quote about that that casting too? Uh, I can find it real quick. But yes, he is. He's he's a villain you love to hate, and that's why he's so fun. Like he's got that that raw charisma, but also is just an absolute piece of shit the whole time. And he's just incredibly hateable, and it's kind of wonderful. Uh, he's just he, he's just a really fun villain. He's he really is just the evil game show host, but. Damn if he doesn't do it well and ham it up. Yeah, the quote was uh, that Richard Dawson has at least at last found the role that he was born to play. <laughs> uh, and that, is, uh, right. uh, that is Roger Ebert who said uh, that. He's just just a piece of shit. Fucking an asshole to everyone around him. Just a... Oh, it's the best. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I'm sure others will have more to say about him, but uh, yeah. Uh, then there was the... the, the this, Fucking what were they? The the slayers or whatever? Oh yeah, the oh god, the stalkers. Stalkers, stalkers, stalkers yeah. That was it. Yeah, the slayers is a good anime. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the stalkers were were all fun. They had their own gimmicks. They were all pretty enjoyable, except for one of them who got really gross. Yep. Uh, but overall, I they they were pretty fun. It was it's fucking American Gladiators. It's it's that they have about as much personality as one of those people too, which is to say. Uh, they're very one note. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need. So that's all you need. Yeah, no, they're they're very they're, they're good villains to pit Arnold up against. Once again, there to make him look good, including him letting one off and not killing him because he was unarmed because his fucking dumbass car got tipped over and he was stuck in it. <laughs> but yeah, so there were those. There were his two buddies who just kind of existed to die. If I'm gonna be honest. It's just, they didn't really get much expanded on, and then they fucking died after he made a bad deal. Uh, Jesse Ventura's character... hmm? They're there long enough to advance the plot. Yeah. Jesse Ventura's character, uh, despite him being prominently featured in the opening credits, uh, doesn't really appear that much, actually, and just kind of fucks off. Yeah, it's like, because especially it's like... um... The workout video that uh, Amber is uh, watching or working out to, and when she gets introduced, uh, he Captain Freedom uh, mm-hmm. is the one who is that. That's his character. Basically, he's the one that's leading the workout video. Um, it yeah, that's like that, and you see him like have as like a plot point where it's like, oh no, they're editing video footage using fancy future photoshop thing but yes um yeah he does not show up that often yeah and then his entire character arc is oh man this job sucks i hate how they treat me i'm gonna leave and then they do the whole edited video of him killing a man uh, specifically killing arnold uh in a fight they just did this weirdly edited video even though it was technically, I think it was, I think it was because um, Jesse Ventura's character killed off one of his friends, and they just used the footage of that killing 
and they just spliced it. Oh over. no, it was the stunt double that they killed. Oh. Well no, because I thought oh, it was oh yeah. Yeah, no, it was just some random schlub. Oh okay. that's that's kind of all he amounted to. He just kind of vanishes. Oh okay. serves. So yeah, it's there is a resistance, but I still can't quite tell what they stand for, aside from government bad. Uh, and it's yeah. <laughs> how i feel about the characters all right uh coolio um so yeah uh torpo has covered a lot of it already but uh, as far as <laughs> as far as my impressions i mean the the setting is pretty much a a thin veil of you know happiness and sunshine on top of a large mass of fear and uncertainty so you know, your basic standard dystopia. And uh, that's that part of it is portrayed well enough. I mean, you have these weird-ass game shows. Not only The Running Man, but you have Climbing for Dollars, which is just someone climbing a rope while dogs are trying to pull them down. I don't know. It's Yeah, strange them and eat them. <laughs> So, yeah, you have all these weird-ass shows that seem to be more geared toward population control, almost. And, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the setting. Uh, the, well, the actual um, area that The Running Man happens into is, is properly, you know, dark and dreary and you don't really know what's going to be around the next corner, which is the, is a, an excellent place for uh, doing a show like the running man uh, characters. The pretty much all of the main characters are maximum archetype in my, in, in my opinion, Schwarzenegger is being maximum action hero. Richard Dawson is being maximum game show host. Uh, the Body Ventura being, you know, maximum the Body Ventura, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, so, yeah, everyone's just being as much over the top as possible. And I also want to point out that this is another movie where Sub-Zero gets jobbed. Yes, actually. <laughs> I... I would not be surprised if this movie was actually responsible for Sub-Zero getting his name. Um, uh, I don't know, because th th there's, there's a fair difference between Professor Sub-Zero in this movie and Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat. Well, the, the, I'm more saying in the case of just taking the name from it, yeah. like more as an homage than actually like taking the character as, yeah, characteristics from him. That's not unlikely. Um, definitely a theory, but not unlikely. Um, and yeah, I'm also, I will point out, I'm one of those weird people who didn't watch this movie because Schwarzenegger's in it. I watched this movie because Richard Dawson is in it. And Richard Dawson is definitely in it. Um, oh, yeah. He is, he is my favorite character in this entire movie, hands down. Uh, he, he knows what he's, he knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, he has an innate knowledge of how to work a crowd and he brings that to the movie and yeah, his performance is 
in my opinion, the best in the movie. Um, but yeah, everyone's just being what they need to be, and uh, there it is, and there you go. Okay. Um, uh, Chachi. Oh, boy. Things that stood out. Um, it's easy to cleave immediately to Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's such a huge media icon these days, but I feel like I want to start with Richard Dawson's character of Damon Killian because... If you believe some of the things that you hear about Richard Dawson in, uh, for example, behind the scenes at um, at his time on Family Feud, it was sort of like looking into the negative universe, Richard Dawson's eyes, because um, Dawson apparently was a real people person in a more genuine and wholesome way than than uh, Damon Killian, who is clearly a people person in that way where he's emotionally intelligent enough to be manipulative, but is clearly an absolute bastard and doesn't really and doesn't really love anyone or anything except maybe himself. Um, so it's a really fun contrast to look at, uh, knowing knowing a little bit about Richard Dawson. Um, it's it needs to be echoed that a lot of the actors, even the bit ones in this movie, are somewhat wasted, strangely enough. Um, especially the character played by Yafat Kato. Oh, damn it, what the hell was his name? That's, that's, the, that's the thing, is that they, they underuse somebody who's actually a really good actor um, and has a lot of screen presence uh, on somebody who got maybe 20 lines through the whole movie. And William I think his last lines was so angry about how crappy the lines were that it was starting to bleed through in his performance. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was William. <laughs> the, the phrase the phrase Buzzsaw took care of my traveling arrangements is funny, but not when your character is dying and you could see in the man's face that he hated every single second of that scene, which was really unfortunate because this is, this is a guy who he's had some, he's had some prominent roles, not like huge and blockbusting, but he was, he was the first black bond villain. He was the youngest bond villain ever at the time as well. Um, he had a really solid role as Parker in alien. And um, I think that, I think that the movie ends up doing him something of an injustice. Uh, the the female lead, um, who should also be remembered from such sterling cinematic masterpieces as Predator 2, uh, deserves some mention as well because she has a role and she does some things that are somewhat important, but there's not a lot of agency to how she goes through the film. Um, she is a kidnapping victim and a hostage first, and then she is a kidnapping victim and an unwilling participant in the running man game second. And she's just sort of led around by circumstance. And uh, don't forget the attempted sexual assault. Yeah, there, there is that as well. Um, yeah. Also, the one thing that I just remembered is there, there's the conversation between the one woman and her about, her like that character like going out somewhere and her getting attacked and the person talked to her kind of seemed into it really yeah. into it that was a bit unsettling worker amy was was hilariously ghoulish um even if there had not been the reveal for 
oh no, Ben Richards was framed and now I feel really bad for sending him up the river and whatnot. And like, you know, there's, there's some emotional conflict to be had there, but I, I choose to believe that the, the immediate like getting cold feet in the conversation and running away is because you learned something about your coworker that you didn't want to, and now you need to go. Uh, which does remind me, I was going to mention this earlier too. The movie's very, almost laughably bad at maintaining a tone. Yeah. The tone, as far as I can tell, the tone is just like, let's rub Arnold Schwarzenegger on things like that. That's the tone in terms of, in terms of consistent, like narrative thesis or, or general feel for like mood and suspense. It's, it's not really there because there's so much wacky shit happening constantly. And I think that might be partially by design because there, there is a there is an attempt to kind of cut between what's happening in the 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 quadrants of the running man game zone which is the the bombed out remains of parts of los angeles and and the and the studio audience to go hey this is this this is bad actually but it's people don't start sort of trying to clue the audience of the film in as quickly as they could, I think. And it, it, it comes across as very tongue in cheek where, you know, Oh, what, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger killed somebody else and he cracked a joke. And then there's people like winning game show prizes and stuff. And it's, it's, it's a real ride. It's a lot of fun, but one that requires you to be somewhat plastic in your ability to absorb content. Yeah, I guess my issue is, uh, I do appreciate, like, the stuff going on behind the scenes and how ridiculous it is, like, how over-the-top the host is, and also just how weird and detached the entire audience is from what's really going on, and that works. But, like, also the movie has a bad habit of taking the piss out of itself. Uh, like, like, I was going to say, go ahead, I think you are about to mention the thing I was about to. Oh, I probably not. But I was just going to mention things like what what Chachi had mentioned, which was uh, the the uh, ticket uh, bit, or or uh, fucking Arnold's constant one liners, <laughs> is it kind of kills the mood it's trying to set internally for like the game show itself. And I mean, it's it's not bad. It's a fun once again. It's it's a fun action movie, but it, it's just it's it's good at kind of killing its own mood. And also, once again, the ending is incredibly weirdly optimistic. Yeah, yeah. the the ending the the ending I think is there. There is a certain sort of visceral, adrenalized sense of triumph to it, especially considering that the the movie just sort of continues to accelerate the whole time. But in its attempt to do. I think a semi-decent job at painting a picture of a, 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 dec- a decadent sociopathic society. The, the movie is a little bit overindulgent, and you see that a lot with a good a good thing to notice if you want to ruin the tone of whatever's going on for yourself is is look for how many times Arnold Schwarzenegger just happens to have a cigar from somewhere. Like where the fuck is he getting all these stogies and and 
as soon as you see it, you, you can never unsee it. It's like the stormtrooper who wangs his head on the overhang at the start of uh, the first Star Wars film. It's just, it's a huge sore thumb. And while it is a, it is a funny character beat for the guy who's decked out in all the electrical goodies, shooting lightning and stuff, to also be singing opera and be kind of dressed up like somebody from, you know, Der Nibelungen or something. I think that was more of people wanted to just sort of say yes to every single idea. And since the actor who played Dynamo was a classically trained opera singer, they said, hey, why don't we just have him sing some opera to just show some things off? And it's hysterical, but it is it's very nearly oversaturated. Like the, the movie is positively stewing its own juices. I, don't know. I, I I can get behind the, the designs because they're meant to be like these larger than life personas and all that. And just these big characters played up for the show. And so they, they need that look, that way of sticking out. So like you've got Fireball fucking ascending to the sky with his jetpack. You've got Buzzsaw with his chainsaw on the dirt bike. Like they all have their own weird little gimmick going on. Or Sub-Zero with his fucking murderous hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh also really quick lolo i know there was a scene you wanted to mention uh um, yeah when uh the thing that's just like completely missing the tone um there is the scene in which uh amber is going through trying to find evidence that of edited movies and she's just going through a drawer one just happens to be labeled clandestine data yep how convenient Love to put my evil plan in a folder marked "Don't read." Plot point here: Do not look. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, it's basically '80s pageantry at its finest, is what it comes down to. Yep. And yeah, um, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, I, I think I'm, I, I think I've pretty much sort of summed up my feelings, at least as far as this leg is concerned. All right. Uh, yeah, and I, I. I pretty much agree. It's just this movie. It's like, it's neat and all, but the thing, yeah, all the characters are really good. Um, like I, I especially really like Killian. Um, also because I am also a Richard Dawson fan. Um, or I should also say Richard Dawson and game show fan. So seeing that was interesting. Never really was an Arnold person until much later. Um, but yeah, this, this, the characters, the setting, it's what it needs to be, but also the tone inconsistency is kind of weird. Uh, not saying being said that it's necessarily bad, but it just feels it feels weird. It's like you're it's like you're eating a meal that you know something's off, but in the same time it works. Like it doesn't work spectacularly well, but it's like this isn't terrible, but something is just a little off. Soy sauce on Thanksgiving turkey. Yes. Or yeah. later you find out what it's made of. Yeah. Yeah, don't read the ingredients. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, Chachi, how'd you like, how do you like uh, Schwarzenegger in this movie? Boy. Um... I, I, I should also pref- like state, uh, how do you like Schwarzenegger being the, like the stain, like the, like the, I'm trying to think of the, t- like, being peak Arnold. Yeah, this this character is in many ways the Ur Arnold. Um, he's constantly smoking a cigar, which I feel like may have been a contractual thing. Um, he 
he seems to smoke a lot of cigars in his early films. And I think it's just because he likes cigars and knows he can get away with telling people I want stogies, uh, which is, I suppose, fine. You know, if they're, if they're slamming down the cash, they gotta, you know, they gotta indulge him a little bit. And boy, talking of indulgence, um, he repeats some of his own lines from other movies uh, and some of the lines that are original in this appear to be, um, if not ad-libbed, at the very least heavily influenced by maybe Arnie standing next to a screenwriter and saying, no, make it make it bigger, make it more Arnold. And I, I, I need to point specifically to the scene where I believe this is right after uh, Dynamo has killed um, the has has killed the his hacker friend, and he has done for he hasn't he hasn't killed Dynamo he's disabled him and and killed Buzzsaw. Killian tries to offer him uh, sort of a Faustian pact of hey you know if you if you come and work for the Running Man as a stalker you'll get all these cool perks all you have to do is you know is is say the word and he shoves his face right into a camera that he has ripped off the wall and and says i will live to see you eat that contract but you'd better leave enough room for my fist because i'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine arnold schwarzenegger noise and he spikes the camera and I don't know, I'm not even watching the movie and I feel slightly like I'm escaping my own body just thinking about that line. <laughs> it is so surreal to even read. It's the weirdest, most stilted thing and it's just the funniest shit. Yeah, I remember the yeah. three of us who watched it together were just in fucking awe when that bit happened. <laughs> like, uh, what? Also, I want to feel like we missed a, missed a thing that I should mention um, about uh, when we we're talking about the characters uh that hacker friend um for some reason um mick fleetwood is in this movie like you know one of the co-founders of fleetwood mac is yes the person who plays them. and he's the head of the resistance um, he's he's the leader of the of the underground network and his sort of second in command played by dweezil zappa son of noted musical celebrity frank zappa and pretty accomplished musician in his own right uh, his character's name is Steve, which is a reference to Stevie Nicks, one of the other founding members of Fleetwood Mac. Huh. Also, going back to that that scene with the camera, it's important to notice that at that point the camera is completely detached. There are no wires on it or anything. He's just roaring into a broken video camera. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. I mean, it is it is 2019, so wireless technology exists. Explain it away like that. Sure, that works. Ah, uh, yes, the great food riots of 2017. We'll never forget them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Coolio. Uh, in my opinion, he's there because he's a box office draw. Um, the movie could definitely have had a, a more serious tone and you know kept on note if the lead had been someone else but the movie wouldn't have done as well as it did. Um, just, uh, as has been mentioned, constant one-liners, most of them don't even really make sense. Such as, which one did I po- point out yesterday? I'm going to uplink your ass and you'll be underground. God, what does yeah, that even mean? Right. 
don't know. It means nothing. Um, it means nothing, or it means something that I don't want to think about. Um, but yeah, he he's there to play the part of quintessential action hero, and for for being Arnold Schwarzenegger, he he does his he does his part well. But it could it could have like I said it could have been done by someone else and just stay just stay in the feel that they were trying to convey. Uh, it's not to say that you know he it, it's still a fun movie with him around. So I wouldn't call it an even trade, but you lose a little, you get a little. I would say that if I if I had to put my finger on the kind of conflict you're describing, it seems like the character of Ben Richards is not really appropriate for the story of The Running Man. The Running Man in setting is sort of nightmarish. Everything sucks. People are starving and dying. There are massacres over food. Uh, you know, there's an entire game show devoted to murdering criminals who may or may not actually be innocent, and a setting like that, you would think a main character would be, there. there is sort of a hard-boiled quality to the character of Ben Richards because he's ex-military and, you know, he's seen some messed up stuff, but they didn't really go for somebody who is clearly emotionally damaged, like the protagonist of First Blood, where, you know, he's, he's competent and he's dangerous, but at the expense of his humanity. Dawson is sort of a Doc Savage character, um, which is pulling pretty deep from pulp literature, but basically he's sort of this, he's this bronze idol of a man. He does everything. He's smart enough to come up with all these fun witticisms and he's strong enough to rip a bolted down to the floor weight bench just off its moorings with, with an adult woman tied to it. And he's, he's this kind of godlike Olympian and it doesn't really it doesn't really fit and the the film is sort of continually trying to shove a square peg into a round hole with him is sort of the sense i'm getting from from where you're coming from pretty much yeah okay uh anything else to add um no that's about it all right uh turpo boy howdy schwarzenegger's a lot of fun but as has been covered it's he's also very at odds with the setting itself like, it's, it's really, as we mentioned, peak Schwarzenegger. It's Schwarzenegger being Schwarzenegger nothing else, for better or worse. And it really fucking sticks out. Like, kind of a sore thumb in the setting, actually. Like, when, going back to, like, an earlier scene, they're going through the, uh, the airport, and he has, uh, he has uh, Amber as a hostage, dragging her along. Uh, a, first off, nobody questions it. Uh, but B, the entire time he's cracking jokes about the situation, and it feels really, really off. Both to her and to the security around him, who don't question a thing either. And it's just so bizarrely out of place. Or like uh, another scene even earlier than that, when he first breaks into Amber's apartment and she finds him there, he's cracking jokes as he's pinning her down and then tying her up. And it's really, really fucking weird and gross and awkward the entire time. But he plays it off like it's a joke. And it just, it kind of sets the tone, really, from there on. Just the 
so many off so many times there are these just awful things happening around him and he just cracks these weird jokes or just takes it in stride as this cool action hero in a sort of kind of non-action hero-y setting. He feels like a character displaced, I guess is the best way to put it. He feels like he was a character more meant for another movie, but somehow ended up into this one. And it works. It makes the movie fun. But like is trying to get a message across or trying to keep a tone, it it's greatly at odds with. And then, well, then st- hmm? still not as bad as Kevin James. <laughs> but uh yeah. In the end, he gets the girl, saves the day, kills the bad guys, and everything's happy. Just everything's very happy, and everyone loves Arnold, and it's great. But yeah, he just he's Arnold. Arnold the whole way through, for better or worse. I'm not going to pretend it negatively or positively impacts the film, because it's, at the end of the day, a film about Arnold. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, anything else, Rod? Uh, not particularly, honestly. Aside from the right. weird fucking stogie thing, it is so bizarre every time. Yeah, it it is very weird. Um. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just I I I I like the cheesy Arnold in this movie, but yeah, I do feel like it kind of went halfway in terms of just like trying to be serious, but also not at the same time. And Arnold being in it kind of kills that. Like, it it just feels weird sometimes. But overall, it's still an enjoyable movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he doesn't ruin it, but it just makes it... It, it basically just shifts it over to the, to the side a little bit of where it probably could be. Um, but yeah. So, um, Torpo, uh, how do you feel about the commentary of this movie? What fucking commentary? <laughs> <laughs> ah, TV's evil. Well, TV saves the day, and everything's fine, because TV tell me what to think. Uh, it, it, like, I get the idea. Uh, I, I get sort of the idea, which is basically picking apart sort of reality TV, and especially the more violent uh, ends of it, as well as people and their willingness to accept what is told to them on TV directly and take it for fact. Uh, and and the the... The, the fixation on violence as well. I I, I get the, the point it's trying to get across, uh, even if it kind of muddies its own thing. But uh, the, the, the commentary is fine, <laughs> honestly. It, it's just, once again, it, it has a bad habit of stepping on its own toes. So the whole point of, like, ah, don't, like, TV won't tell you everything, or like, TV won't necessarily tell you the truth. It could lie to you. And then immediately everyone, after being told TV lies to them, immediately believes the next thing told to them on TV. <laughs> like, okay, sure, yeah, uh-huh. Kind of thought that one through well, didn't you? Yeah, and, like, there is something to be said for people and their their lust for violence when it comes to certain TV shows uh, and, and whatnot, and, and their wholehearted acceptance of, like, the killing of convicts and all that. but. At the end of the day, it it just has a bad habit of muddying what it wants to say, in my opinion, at least. Okay. Uh, I'm glad it was fun. Fuck you. It it is. Uh, Coolio. I'm kind of building on what Torpo says. Like it it's not only the the point of believing everything that's told to you on TV or on you know media in general, 
but there's also the fact that the only media that exists in this alternate universe is ICS. So all of the information is coming from one entity. And so there's the point of not believing everything that's told to you. And there is the point of there is only one person who is giving you any information to go on whatsoever. And um, so, yeah, that, that makes it a little more difficult to uh, form proper conclusions about what's going on in the world. Um, yeah, true. It's, it's not like they ever... It, also, they never even shut down the TV station. They just shut down one show. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, there's there's pretty much just the yeah there there are I I suppose there are a few different stations like oh, there were because like, that was number two, wasn't it? Yeah, sort of like the BBC, where you know there's like four or five BBC stations, but there are also other stations in in real life from other media sources. So you get you get to compare and contrast the information that's available when come to a conclusion that's closer to the truth. And in this world, you don't get that. Um, so I guess that's what I have to say about that. All right. Uh, Chachi. Yeah. The, the, the previously stated set sentiments are uh, essentially about the long and the short of what you can say regarding the, the commentary of the running man. I think m maybe one implied comment that is fairly true but is as we've seen before really really drowned out by some of the extreme tonal dissonance and uh poorly thought narrative of oh hey the tv's bad for you but look at us do this cool thing on the tv so trust us is it's one thing you could say that there's possibly a flirtation with the idea that mass media consolidation is bad. Um, but really, thing bad is kind of atomized in the background. It's just this uncomfortable smell going on while you watch Arnold Schwarzenegger hoot and holler and do all this doofy action hero stuff. So much like we saw with the movie's difficulty with tone, it, it has, I think, and I think that the Coolio and Torp are exactly right here. It has a lot of trouble just maintaining the coherence of its own com commentary because it's it's just kind of flailing around and having a great time. And there's entertainment value to be had there. But in terms of commentary, it's something that you it, it's it's intensely cognitively chewy. You really, really have to like worry at it to get anything meaningful in terms of commentary out of it. And even then, you start to, if you ruminate on it at all, you start to run into the same holes that we've already poked in, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of thinking about it. It's unfortunately, there's not a lot of depth here. Yeah. Uh, actually, to point it out further pretty quickly, uh, it does, it does try to have this commentary on violence on TV and, uh, people's lust for violence while at the same time reveling in the violence itself and having Arnold cracking jokes about these horrific murders he's just done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too a little bit. Yeah. It, it's hard to have proper commentary though. when pretty much all of the background that you get in the movie 
is a two-minute text scroll. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that I do pretty like that. I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, I basically full agreement with everyone on this. It it does feel like it's trying. It it it's it tries to to do kind of what like RoboCop does, uh, but RoboCop manages to do it a lot more effectively than this. Whereas this, it's like, oh yeah, we're all saying, but also it's it's a fun action movie that. Yeah, it so it kind of muddles it a little bit. Um, so yeah. Uh, so uh, last question, uh, Chachi. Uh, how do you think that there's like, especially considering, in this might this discussion might go in a few different ways. Um, actually, I might have to rethink about the or like, might have to think about this question in a little bit more open sense. Um, but how come you think the few games have actually managed to recreate this kind of you know, murder game show thing, like effectively. That's a difficult question for me because the the concept of the violent game show slash sporting event um, uh, media flavor is sort of a hole in my education. Um, I'm not so up on me culture when it comes to your mutant league footballs. I've played Smash TV. But more contemporary titles that involve sort of this voyeuristic reveling in violence, um, I'm a little bit in the dark on. I will say that uh, as thin of a veneer of an excuse for a plot that Smash TV has, you can definitely see some beats from The Running Man in it. You're winning fabulous prizes. Although in The Running Man, the, the people running don't really get to win a prize unless they get out alive. Meanwhile, you're sort of just hoovering up stacks of dollars and, and microwave ovens and keys to new cars and things as you go. And you, you shoot the ball guy on the tank treads and you have a great time. Um, but boy, in, in, terms of, in terms of general influence on media, I feel like there is there's a lot of ground that could be covered here there's a very there's a very rich sort of peat bog of stuff to dig up and burn and make heady smelly media smoke out of here um from all the witticisms that are extremely tone deaf to the the, the goofy sort of themed villains which are certainly not something that's pioneered by the running man but something that the running man definitely leans hard on and i think that <laughs> hard on um i think <laughs> I think that I think that there there is at least a little bit of a nod to the Running Man in some of your, for example, color coded evil ninjas or guys with silly vehicles and weird powers in in later like children's television shows and and video games and things like that. So there there's definitely a there's there's a very there's a very explicit flavor of influence here. I just unfortunately have a little bit of a blind spot so i couldn't put a really strong finger on it okay um i guess that uh coolio i think part of it is the fact that if you're trying to make a game uh for the writing man either you're going to focus too much on the actual action that's going on which then gets rid of the fact that you know, the running man is a game show or you have a level of, of abstraction that breaks your immersion. Um, and it, it comes down to 
kind of striking a balance between the two. How serious do you want your game to be? Um, and how how much into the game do you want the player to be? Uh, in the case of Smash TV, uh, it's pretty much meant to be a very lighthearted game. Uh, very hard game, but very lighthearted. Um, but in, in trying to recreate uh, the kind of atmosphere that you would get in The Running Man, it's much harder to strike that balance um, in just having the, you know, dark settings and, you know, kind of horror type of vibe, survival horror type of vibe, while still conveying the fact that this is still happening within a game show uh, and not completely breaking the player's experience in the process. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my thought on that. All right, uh, Torpo. Yeah, it's it's basically uh, it's a thin line to walk. The line between basically just going super dark and heavy, or just going ham with the absurdity of it all. And uh, the actual game show itself, uh, it'd be hard to kind of make that sort of thing without it sort of wearing on you after a little bit. Because like. Things like Smash TV also are just relatively short, and it would just have to be that sort of short. You can't have that kind of narrative and have it go for too long, which is almost part of the problem if you want to build a setting around it, in my opinion. But yeah, you you could almost say that like because I think like it's weird, especially with like the trend of like the battle royale kind of thing. You've only seen like one mate, one game kind of. Or at least, like, there's, like, I think a handful, but there's, like, a major one, like, the culling, I think, is, like, the only one that tried to do that particular concept. Although I think there was another one that was, like, a hex-based thing that was, like, winter-based that I think was trying to also do that kind of thing, but it didn't do it well. Which I think is a weird thing, is that none, no game other than maybe Smash TV, which is the reason why we're doing this thing in the first place, uh, never really did it well. Yeah, part of the problem, too, is you would need an incredibly uh, charismatic villain uh, which is fucking hard. Yes. Uh, and, and just, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of messy. Yeah. Um. Okay. And yeah, that I pretty much <laughs> agree with those again. And just yeah, it's just weird that no one's been able to do this well. Um. But yeah, I guess that would be pretty hard. Um. So uh, with that, I think we are now at a point where we can actually rank this. So. Uh, we are going to rank this with our normal 1 to 21 scale, uh, with 1 being considered uh, prime of its genre, and 21 being not even interesting, like, not even, like, a fun, ironic watch. Like, it's just bad. Uh, so, uh, Chachi, what would you rank this? Boy, that's a tough question, because I quite like the movie in terms of pure entertainment, but boy, we spent a lot more time over the course of this broadcast discussing the film's flaws rather than where it flies high. So I'm reluctant to put this much higher than a 10. I'd say it's probably a little bit better than Middle of the Road just because Richard Dawson puts in so much memorable work as insuperable scumbag Damon Killian. And... Arnold 
does sell his you know his ham steak action hero shtick and it's it's fun to watch um so numerically i'd say maybe a nine like it's it's fun but it sabotages itself a lot and in ways that as we've seen are kind of gross um i think one of the things that the more i think about it the less i like about the film is how the character of amber mendez is handled because she's dragged around a lot and at the end of the movie there's this intimate moment between the female lead and the male lead and then arnold puts his hand on the back of Maria Alonso's neck in exactly the same way that he had her while they were walking through the airport while she was a hostage. And it's kind of alarming to look at. And you like, how, how was that choreographed? Why, why did they do that? Was it unconscious? And nobody said, Hey, reshoot that take. Like there's a lot, there's a lot about this film that is just as Torpid put it kind of messy. Um, and it's, if you start thinking about it a little bit, it starts to fall on its face. So I'd say a, a nine and no higher. Uh, okay. For reference, Street Fighter, uh, the movie, the live action movie is a nine. Yes. Haven't also seen involving, also involving Stephen E. <laughs> um, so, uh, cool. Yeah. No, I was just saying, Josh, in case you want to rethink. Oh, it. Yeah. Um, so unless, I don't know if Josh, has something to add no okay okay I, I don't have any context for that statement i've, I've never seen the street water movie fair enough what is it seven then all right um based on uh what is on the list right now as well as kind of trying to think of the the difference between what the movie was trying to do and what what it ended up doing uh, I would put this movie, like Chachi said, at or around nine. Okay. Uh, okay, Torpa. Okay. Um, so honestly, I feel like we, we, we have ragged on this a lot, I guess in part because that's sort of the way the questions ended up leading us. No, no offense to you, Lolo. There really isn't a whole lot you can write about like questions. Like, because I, I didn't want to just have a question. As How boy, often did watch. you say, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fucking fun movie. It's incredibly fun and just really dead stupid, though. I guess yeah. that's the way I would put it. Uh, that said, as a movie, uh, numerically, it's a hard choice for me because, like, my brain's like, is it really on the level of Labyrinth and Mortal Kombat? And you're like, maybe. Yeah, let's say six for now. Okay, six. Okay, so the way that I was thinking of it, I was at least thinking, like, my floor for this would actually probably would have been eight, um, by me personally. Uh, it is a very fun watch, but it, I would not, like, it's the kind of movie that you'd say, I would not say, if you're going to watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that's like this, go watch Commando. Uh, but after you've watched Commando enough times that you've gotten sick of it, uh, this is definitely a movie you'd want to go and um kind of watches what like this I, I would recommend this in almost every case but there are like because the things like it almost seems like it's trying to pull the robocop thing of uh like trying to have some commentary but 
also having it fall flat. Uh, but also, it is a very action movie. But also, the like the commands are kind of just weird. Uh, and like the best villain in this movie is Killian, like by far. Uh, it's not any of the actual you know action things that why you'd get Arnold in the first place, which has this weird kind of like not top tier feel, but like it feels off, but in an off that's like not terrible. It's like you found a weird combination that works, but also it's not something you try again. Um, like that feeling of off, but it is still overall a pretty good movie. Um, what I was thinking maybe is possibly just the kind of like, cause I was pretty much open to anything probably between, if I were to think of a ceiling, I'd probably say five. Um, so I'm probably actually just judging from everyone's, I am going to throw up either a seven or eight. So I think that's a probably a pretty good middle ground, which at seven, we have Tron and East two, which are movies. I still think you would want to watch, but also, um, also have its flaws. Although maybe eight might be a good spot for it. Personally, I'd rather watch Tron first. I would much rather watch this over Tron. Oh my God. Tron's boring. Yeah. I, hard, hard agree. Like in terms, in terms of spectacle and, and, you know, other things, Tron is pretty good, but it's, it's kind of logy. How about, uh, let's see. I mean, that's either six or seven then. Yeah. I, six I, or, or six. I was saying I could see it on six personally. Like it's got Mortal Kombat, which is also stupid schlock. I don't it, know if I feel as high as six. I could I could see seven. I can probably be persuaded to 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 lift my floor to seven if if this Granted, is the discussion it's looking I at. I have a very low opinion of Tron. But what about East Two? <sighs> I would still watch this over East Two personally. Well, I think so let's see. Well, it's either got to be we're either going six or we're going seven. It seems like. Um, I'm just trying to think of just a a point to kind of hit at. Um, because really, it could also be that I do kind of feel like tried a little higher than it probably should have, but nonetheless, um, I I think that mm, I still feel that because if I look at the let me actually pull up the ranking list of at least what the descriptions that I have right now. Um, so seven, the way it's described is spark of genius close to great, but, uh, but it's great ideas are somewhat underbaked or detrimental delivery or that seven, eight, uh, is it's good, uh, good, but doesn't bring as bring much to the table or as some small, but glaring flaw. Detrimental in delivery sounds like exactly what, uh, the running man is, uh, which by the way, also six, um, is quaint and enjoyable. It's it's good. It's it's pretty good and unique, but has simplicity or some other flaw that keeps it from truly shining. And based on those descriptions, I would go seven. Seven seven seems to land right on that bullseye. Yeah, I, I think seven would be good with maybe taking a mental asterisk for eight for Tron because that was <laughs> a I know that was a very decisive put up there. So I think I think seven's probably good for this. Like in terms of a vacuum, I think that seven would probably be a good spot for it uh, because that's at the very tall uh, tail end of the blue section, which is the above average section, essentially not quite into the very well. But uh, yeah, I think I think seven's pretty good. Think of it almost like a seven plus, even though we don't do that. Seven, seven whatever. So is that is that good? 
I'm fine. I have no strong feelings. Okay. Seven it is. Okay. Let's see. Seven, the running man. Oh, and this is episode, is this episode 30? Yes, it is. Um, Let's see. And that came out in 1997. Um, and that was directed by um, Paul Michael Glazer is the director for this. I'm doing this now so I don't forget. Uh, it's a theatrical release. Uh, let's see. This would be an action movie. Uh, tone, I feel like there is one tone that is key. Like, there is... It's about, if anything deserves it, it's this. Um, that is the 80s tone. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of content-wise because it's definitely, like, it's not, it's violent, but it's not gory. What did this move? Actually, what was the MPA rating on this? Was it, it wasn't R, was it? Well, it would have to be because of language, but... Um, yeah, this is an R-rated film. Okay, but, it, but it's not, like, gory violent. It's just... Like there are people like cut in half, and also a lot of people got kicked in the taint. But other than that, it's not. It's nothing I would call out really. Other than it's just an army. Well, a regular G is lighthearted gore. Yeah, but I would even say that this is less than that because it's not even that bloody. Like everyone who dies, like even though they're cut in half, they don't. Oh, you. Oh, that's right. You do see that guy get like cut with the wire and like his fingers cut off okay so yeah i'll put gore at least yeah. also there was the corpses oh yeah the, oh yeah there's the corpses I forgot the corpses that's which true. were like close-up sure. shots yeah so i think yeah. That's, that's yeah that's gore um so yeah uh other than that uh is there anything we want to call it for music charm cinematography uh storytelling action and art uh charm wonderfully of its time yeah, i think that's probably good use of that little charm no i do think the action was very good though yep uh the action was all right really i think that i think that the big draw of the running man for me is the humor uh, because there's there's a lot of points when you're watching it where you go whoa i really i was really wasn't ready for that like when they pull arnold's prison fatigues off and he's wearing that gaudy ass adidas it's a banana suit (laughs) They just tear the clothes off and bam, banana. <laughs> so speaking of suit design, I feel like we're mentioning really quickly that all the guys had the full body suit, but like Amber's was low cut for some reason in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, also, one other thing I do, I'm trying to think, do I have a charm for? Um, did you? I think I actually have a charm for. That's the first time I thought the music was good. I th- I'm surprised that I didn't have a. I should probably have a sexual assault tag. You wasn't that wasn't that under yikes? I thought. I mean, we could, but I felt like there's that to probably get its own uh, charm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Yeah, I just I gotta think of a. Yeah, longer. I don't think we've ever actually dealt with anything that overt in any of the fucking games or movies. Because we, we skipped Phantasmagoria for that exact reason. <laughs> to be fair, Phantasmagoria gives off real hard snuff vibes, and it's gross. Uh, I will have to... Th- um, You know, I, I will come back to that. Uh, I will... Yeah. Uh, I will put an asterisk there, because I need to think of that. Um, uh, You were saying the music is good? Yeah, I thought the music was actually pretty good. All right. Um, it's it's definitely a bit low key, but I I still think it was. Yeah. Uh, is there anything we want to call out for yay or nay? 
boy, this was from the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You can feel the Reagan years. Let's see. Uh, and I think <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, I have a charm that I get to use from the time. Uh, boy, this was from the X-Ds, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So there, I finally get to use that. Once again, I'm not kidding, especially with the ending, you feel that that fucking movie is just riding high on the Reagan years. Um, is there anything else we want to call out? Uh, needless bad cheesiness, maybe? Mm. Just I... the constant barrage of one-liners? I... The thing that I would argue with that is that that actually could also be a draw at the same time. Yeah. It's not the cheesiness is, I would say, well done. It's not like forced and poorly executed. Fair enough. I, I, I figured I would at least throw it on the table. Yeah, it's, it's cheesy as hell, but you definitely I don't feel like it's fair to say that the cheese is badly done. Um, it's it's I, I think it overrides no. other parts of the film that could be fairly important and, and well executed, but man, <laughs> in terms of being a sheer popcorn flick, this guy will, this guy will sell concessions. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. No, it's, it's the cheese is fun. Even if it does kind of hide other elements. Oh, fair enough. Cut the cheese then. Yep. As I said, it's, it's a fun schlocky film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anything else? Yeah. I think that's everything. All right. Uh, so that was The Running Man. Um, it is a pretty good movie and still definitely recommended. Um, so uh, before we head out, uh, Chachi, is there anything you would like to plug? Oh, well, let's see. Um, I, uh, I'm part of a uh, usually two-person broadcast at twitch.tv slash Max and Chachi, where I stream video games with my wife and we have a good time and we chill out. Uh, we're currently doing a Paper Mario and Ace Combat 2. Okay. Uh, cool, yeah. Uh, so two things. First, the uh, Let's Play group that I am a part of, Low Bias Gaming at lowbiasgaming.net, as well as my podcast, Square Wave Symphony, uh, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And that is available at lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim, S-Y-M, and also at squaresim on Twitter. All right. Torpo. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Torpotypist and at Torpotypist on Twitter. And I would I, I would like to plug the holes in my narrative. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, that concludes our discussion of The Running Man. Uh, so next week we have uh, we actually have a game show, like a natural proper one. Uh, and one that is a bit interesting in terms of how we've done things so far, uh, because this is not one that is based on a particular game. It is, in fact, based on the concept of gaming itself. We are talking about Nick Arcade next week. Heavens uh, to Betsy. Yes, uh, <laughs> that seminal Nickelodeon classic game show. Um, so yeah, uh, that will be a fun one. Uh, but uh, that is it for now. Uh, please tune in next week, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this this show. And you should probably tune around. Probably not tune around. That doesn't make sense. So I'll probably stick around. That's probably a better statement. All right. Something, something around those lines. Yeah. So hope you join us for that. If you would like to look at the full list of rankings for yourself, please visit r3.ldp.life and go to the Media Delta List tab. 
If you would like to watch Media Delta's sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can either watch at youtube.ltp.life or by tuning into twitch.tv slash lodapuzzlo at 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, 2.30 p.m. on Saturdays, and 1 p.m. on Sundays. All those times are from the Eastern U.S. time zone. If you would like to discuss this episode with the community, you can do so by joining our Discord server, which you can do so by going to discord.ldp.life. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you tune in for our next episode.